Welcome to The Obsession Digression. A podcast that explores all the cultural things we're obsessed with. I'm Sam Benarchik. And I'm Katie Walker. And the energy is low oh, <laughs> today. <laughs> why is your energy so low? Don't, like, don't you feel it? I think we're both kind of like... I know. You know why, too? I don't know what I was on. Like, what sort of, like, how much caffeine I'd had or what sort of, like, residual whatever was still in my system. But <laughs> our episode last week, I felt, like, so high energy. Mm, mm-hmm. You know what it was? I was so jazzed about the new microphone. Oh, yeah. You had, like, the whole setup. Now it's just, like, it's old. It's, it's old hat. Yeah, it's not even cool anymore. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Although sometimes it's fun to like grab the stand and swing it really quickly to me, and I could do the breaking news. Wait, you do that by yourself? No, I just did that once. As a joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. I said sometimes. <laughs> this is yeah, it sounded thing. like something like you like you're waking up. In it's the part morning. of my like nightly ritual. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I get in bed, turn off the lights, and go oh, and like quickly get back up, walk over. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it feels like, though. That is cool. That is really rad. It's imbued with such importance. You know, it doesn't like. I mean, when I set up to to record, right, I have to like get the the microphone out of its like styrofoam box. You package it up every. I package week. it up, yeah, because uh, I don't have space for it, and I'm so scared I'm gonna break it or something. Because mm-hmm. I break like ninety nine percent of <laughs> things that I own. Um, speaking of breaking things, okay, oh. here is an issue I'm dealing with right now. Um, <laughs> last week. Ryan was so sweet and he was like, you know, I know that like you like have been like not feeling great on campus because you like don't have time to eat and then you get like, you know, kind of like peckish basically by the time you're teaching your third class and like what you really need to do is take your lunch. So yeah. I bought you a lunchbox and I was like, Aww. oh my God, like that's so sweet. Thank you so much. What kind of, <laughs> what uh, kind of lunchbox? It's just, uh, I mean, it's just like a teal like kind of like a, it's a child's lunchbox like it came with a sippy cup but it is a lunchbox right <laughs> all so, the same um anyways first day i was like oh right got my like lunchables and i got a little thing of strawberries this is gonna be great and an ice pack to keep the things cold right so yeah. uh anyways i go to campus and i'm so busy that i eat the lunchable but i don't eat the strawberries and then I Quick get question. home. <laughs> which lun- which lunchables did you get? Oh, I just got the ham and uh, Swiss one. With crackers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's like the OG. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Respectable. That's that's the one I still go mm-hmm. for. That's mm-hmm. my my go to. I never got into the pizza lunchables. I don't know oh, why. Oh, I was gonna say. I remember I would get the pizza one and I would suffer through the actual pizza because it tasted mm-hmm. disgusting. Yeah. Just so I could make that chocolate M M&M and M pizza <laughs> with the last disc. Yeah. No, I was not about that. But anyway, <laughs> so. Right, got this, like, box of strawberries left, and I uh, put my lunchbox down, and I have not opened that lunchbox since Wednesday, and I'm really scared. (laughs) Wait, so you just used it one day? Just used it one day, and those strawberries are in there, and I, Uh, like, I know it's going to be bad. I know it's going to be bad, and I've just, like, completely ruined this gift, like, but it's... <laughs> no, no, you're... I think you can do it. I actually <laughs> think a few days won't be the worst. Okay, a few days, though. We're talking, like, it, we're coming on, what like... Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Five. We're four days out. Four, okay, four days. All right. And that ice pack's in there? 
Yeah. Have you kept, kept strawberries? Yeah. Have <laughs> you kept strawberries in the fridge for four days? They right, but the ice bad. pack wouldn't have lasted four days. Like, it's... I, I just have oh, a feeling... How insulated would you say this lunchbox is? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think it's that... Li- I think it's just like... <laughs> I think I have d- totally destroyed, contaminated this lunchbox. And I feel really bad about it. But, and like, I keep knowing it. Like, I've known this since Friday. Like, oh, shit, those strawberries are still in there. Like, I've known it. And I've been like, I should do something about it. And then just did not. Like, just like, <laughs> like, was like, no, just, I don't want to do it. I don't want to deal. So. Um, that's like, I when I was a grad student, I had the same problem where I was just hungry all the time. And it made me cranky if I didn't eat. So I'd pack a bunch of different snacks mm-hmm. in my backpack. I'd always have, like... A sandwich and yogurt and a banana and I don't know why I could not explain this to you but I would put them in different compartments of the backpack I don't know if it was just to like make use of the compartments or if there was a logic to it I don't remember but it was like the last day of classes before the holiday break so this is maybe like early to mid December mm-hmm. I go I teach my last day Go back, I start packing things up, I'm getting ready to go to New Jersey, go to New Jersey, jump ahead weeks later to Christmas morning, my backpack's oh, in the room, and no. I realize there is this black stain that's oh. across the, <laughs> the entire bottom one of the compartments, and I was like, what is that? And I open up this compartment, and it smells so strongly of like, do you remember Runts, those candies? Yeah, yeah. Of that f- that fake banana flavor. Oh, no. That's what it smelled like, but like overwhelming, and there is yeah. just like, a liquid black banana in there. Lovely. <laughs> it <was> so oh. gross. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just, lest you feel too bad, lest you beat yourself I, up over those strawberries. Well, I I just feel bad because like it's totally me just ruining a gift, you know? Like, I mean, that's I don't know. I should have like should just like take better care of things, basically, right? Like, I don't know. Every time something breaks, Ryan's like, Did you use this last? And I'm like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, but anyways, so, yeah, lunchbox, mystery lunchbox is the issue. I'm <laughs> mystery with lunchbox, right I'm going. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep you updated on whether I, like, you know, get the gumption next week to, <laughs> to open it. Oh, man. Uh, but, Sam. Well, what else is going on for you? Well, um... Well, quite a bit, I would say. Let's see. Um, I would say, as we catch up during our ladies' brunch, you know, <laughs> got that new uh, new mixer. Um, <laughs> no, let's see. I um, <laughs> ladies' brunches everywhere are now offended. Oh God, yeah. Like, we do more than talk about kitchen appliances. Yeah. <laughs> we also get wasted on white wine. <laughs> um. Okay, so I have been horseback riding, which is cool. Going to estate sales, which was cool. Uh, dude, oh, let me tell, tell you about this estate sale. It was this, like, philosopher man who died, obviously, because it's an estate <laughs> sale. But he oh, yeah. was, like, incredible. It was, so it was just this incredible experience because... Like, the way that this all happened was uh, there was just, like, this cardboard sign on our road that said estate sale. And I was like, oh, shit, we got to go to that. And Ryan was like, why? Like, that's not something I really, like, 
did growing up and i was like no 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 we got to go like estate sales are rad we've got to go to this yeah and uh because it's it combines so many fascinating things like yard sales is just fun to like the the allure of cheap shit that you might actually want Mm -hmm. but then also like estate sales is like this is your chance to like look at a bunch of like objects left behind and like pieces yes. together someone's life yes and this is, was, was my exact experience right because i was like oh it's just gonna be in a random you know estate sale like they're gonna have like some tools and like an old couch whatever right no 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 this was an incredible like narrative of this man because he was this uh like academic philosopher um his wife had died two weeks before he did so like which is really incredible like just oh. sweet right um and so we go, not expecting anything, but it turns out that, like, he was just, like, such a bibliophile, um, or, and perhaps they both were, uh, so that, like, it was just the entire house was bookshelves, like, the entire house full and uh, like obviously full of books too like you would go into it had two bathrooms both bathrooms just had bookshelves everywhere yeah it had a basement that was converted into like the tiniest like aisles of books it wasn't even just like along the wall but like floor to ceiling like rows of like it was like a bookshop right but it was this man's personal collection um so i don't think i've been to an estate sale this like comprehensive this is yeah. where you could walk around the house and just like start pulling objects off the- yeah 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 so it was yeah exactly so it was just like um a big sign like basically they had a few other things and in fact one thing that i got this is so ridiculous um they had these children's costumes like for children um, and one of them was like a like German like yodelers like almost like a barmaid um, <laughs> outfit, but it was handmade and it's gorgeous. And it was for like a like a maybe like a twelve year old or a, you know an older child, right? Mm-hmm. And it totally fit me, and I totally got it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gorgeous, though. So I got that, but then, of course, I got, like, a ton of books because it was just this incredible... Like, they just had a sign-up that said, you know, like, all books, $2, right? Or something like that. And, yeah, it was just amazing. <sighs> um, I spent, like, maybe two hours there, and I didn't get a ton of books, you know, because the guy was a philosopher, so, like, I'm, like... I don't really care about, like, aesthetics or, you know, social sciences or whatever. <laughs> but um, but good for you, dude. Um, but like, like, ethics? Not for me. Nah. Uh, but he was a voracious literary reader, too. So um, just, yeah. Anyways. Um, so the only thing that was annoying, though, is that there were a flock of people. And I know these people, or, like, I know this type of person, right? They're the... I'm going to go to all the estate sales, thrift shops, etc., trying to find something more valuable that I can then resale, right? So they mm-hmm. they're, you know, the um they're trying to make a buck Antiques off Roadshow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um but this one guy was so annoying because he had like this app basically that told you like the value of things, but he could what? speak into it. So it was like he would just like speak into his phone, he'd be like uh, Nabokov, 1963, second edition. Like, he would just say that out loud, checking oh. 
almost every single book in this book in this house with like thousands and thousands and thousands of books and he would just like that sounds so annoying it was the worst you know and like i ah i was so annoyed at that it ruined the experience because like i was having this kind of like magical like just like pure love for these people who had passed away and had like created this like you know like gorgeous setup basically and then to have like this like you know, money grubber there, which, and I respect, I respect the hustle, right? I do. Who hasn't grubbed money from time to time? Right. But, you know, like to do it so blatantly and it felt like sacrosanct because it was like, this is a house of knowledge. Like you're not doing this with like antique jewelry or with like, I don't know, tools or, you know, vintage electronics, whatever. Like if Mm -hmm. it were that, I probably would be, but because it was so personal to me too, I was like, Dude, like, y- you're mistreating these books in a way. <laughs> like, yeah. you know? Um, so, anyways. I'm still, like, caught up on the fact that they died two weeks apart. I know, right? Like, that's just sweet. Like, you know, that's, I don't know. That's really. Or they have, like, a gas leak. I mean, we should really account for everything. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> um, well, and if they had a gas leak and I was wandering around their house for two, two hours, <laughs> not a good thing. So is that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, good. If you're going down, at least you're bringing him with you. That's right. That is right. Um, oh, and just so you know, you inherit, like, we're giving you both of our dogs so that, like, we've written in our will. <laughs> Wait, you crafted a will? <laughs> no. I'm totally joking, dude. Oh. <laughs> Um, I thought you were following worst? up on your promise to have the longest, <laughs> I mean, I most do. specific uh, reading of just like random uh, worthless objects. Rancid lunchbox. No. <laughs> Opened only once. Yes. Open it again to find a surprise. Um, <laughs> no, but wouldn't that be the worst if like I just bequeathed my animals to like... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like that would be Listen, so better mean. animals than any kids you have. Like send yeah. those kids somewhere else. Yeah, I that's don't right. want them. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> that's so real. <laughs> I know. My sister had a conversation with me about they were deciding who should have ownership. Of, ownership? God, what you, guardianship. That's it. <laughs> guardianship. Yeah. Um, of their baby like should something happen to them mm-hmm. and she sat me down and was like listen i just want you to know i definitely thought about you and i was like <laughs> oh listen like this is not something you need to like apologize for like i am not I, offended i don't i don't want your son <laughs> like i wouldn't know what to do right and she's like i just really think that like uh, they should go to her husband's parents um, so they would be like guardians. Oh, yeah, that publicly. Good. That's not like too private, right? No, don't think so. no, no, no. My I parents don't... know. They're the only people who would be offended, and they don't listen anyway. Yeah, so you're good. You're in the clear. Greg, Colleen. Sorry. Well, you could have learned. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe if I ever have kids, I'm going to create like a weird, complex, like, drama system where like the kids go to both of our parents but like in but it has like weird rules like we're on leap years like they only can hang out with like just my dad or something (laughs) and then like (laughs) like i stipulate that they have to like celebrate like uh holidays that my family does not celebrate and just like (laughs) do all sorts of weird shit it'll be great um when i die yeah 
looked up every single holiday there is and just like insisted that your kids stay home from school to celebrate those holidays. Well, and you're here's able the to, like, problem. You don't know like, this. like 180 vacation days. Well, so in the tra- the trailer park that we live in or the RV park, um, the, the thing that the managers do here is they have a sign and you know how like every day is like a like lost sock day or sibling day every single day they update it and put the new what the date is so like i actually know every single day what the special <laughs> thing is like today is actually pumpkin cheesecake day uh, oh. yeah yeah <laughs> are you gonna celebrate no fuck no how, how will you be observing pumpkin cheesecake i know day? like it, it actually makes me mad like because some of them are so lame the other like well, the other day just, like, so yeah well one commercial. was just like oh yeah there's oreo day and i'm like how the yeah. fuck is there an oreo day or um the other day one was sweetest day sweetest day I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, is it for, like... like the most sweet? Yeah. Like, like, sweetest? Sweetest, yeah. Like, who's the sweetest, or is it, like... Okay, also, I have, like, more administrative-level questions. Like, is... Uh, do you have to be recognized as a holiday by any particular institution? Or is it more just, like, if you can, like, shout loudly enough on the internet, then everyone will just be like, oh, I guess today's Oreo day. Oddly enough, I know the answer to this, because... <gasps> really? Well, because Ryan created his organization created their own week. They have International Heritage Breeds Week, uh, which is Mm. in uh, April. (laughs) So, yes, actually, there is, like, paperwork. There are holiday people out there that you have to contact in order to, like, firmly establish that you indeed own a week um, or a day or whatever. And so, uh, indeed, there are, like, officials that do this <laughs> wow. wow 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 i so know someone you're at a dinner party or something and you turn to the person next to you and you go, hey, what do you do they could say i work for the government i approve holidays yes yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. approve new holidays yeah exactly i deter i for some reason 10 years ago i decided that sweetest day was a good fucking <laughs> yeah. idea uh do you know pumpkin cheesecake day <laughs> uh that was me <laughs> um it's interesting right that like these don't matter at all but they do seem they've been around for a long time right like we've we've kind of had like obviously some of these days we've had for a while you know like for 10 years 20 years whatever but now it seems like social media is particularly apt for this Right? Like, it's like, oh, Twitter, like, like, let's go on and be like, National Sibling Day, here's a picture of my brother, whatever, you know? I don't know. Yeah, but it's just like, it's ruining it. I mean, I hate to sound curmudgeonly, but I just go like, well, if every day is some random holiday, then no day is a holiday, it feels like. No day is special, (laughs) But maybe that's not fair. Maybe that's not fair to say, because... Mm, I mean, I'm really not, this isn't a hill I'm going to die on, on the one hand. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, this feels low stakes because I don't think anyone's going to be outraged if I, like, dismiss Oreo Day. But <laughs> Oreo's maybe I'm mad. wrong. Oreo's going to be mad. <laughs> yeah, like, the double stuff organization is going to be like, what? Um, I don't know. I just, it seems, it just sort of, like, it takes something that could be a little more special. Like, I don't know. The idea of holidays, okay. I, you know what it is? It's... I'm thinking of it from, like, a communal lens. If, like, mm-hmm. holidays are supposed to be opportunities for, like, communities to come together and yeah. be together yeah. and observe something or just, like, right. get out of their the more mundane, like, daily work day, yeah. then, like, it feels like that is being 
uh, what that's being dissolved to some extent if like mm-hmm. every day is a holiday and we all start to feel like inoculated to like the event of the holiday itself no i totally agree with that i absolutely agree with that um yeah i think there should just be like the the holidays where we are free from work right like the like mm-hmm. the days that we get off of work those should be holidays i agree Fuck Columbus Day, obviously. Um, fuck. Fuck Columbus, Columbus Day. <laughs> I think somebody has floated around the idea that like Columbus Day should still be a holiday, but it should be a like what was it called? Register to Vote Day or something like that, or like Go Vote. Oh, love yeah, that. Yeah, um, something like that, right? Um, which would be really cool. I was going That's to. That's like how the Super Bowl has become Janet Jackson Day. <laughs> <laughs> love that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, recent holiday I can get behind. I'm getting, I can get all over that holiday, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, right. I was also going to we let... We both just start sporting, like, uh, nipple jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> so Tassels. Um, yes. It's day. We're observing. <laughs> like, I would still be fully clothed, but I would have, like, a very prominent, like, one You'll just... No. Yeah. <laughs> sticking out like a bejeweled something i don't know or like over my clothing i wear like a shirt with a like boob screen printed on it um (laughs) uh anyways i don't every time i hear the word tassel i think of that that scene and um the graduate where he just like he doesn't want Mrs. Robinson's daughter to like him so he just takes her on the worst date ever and he (laughs) takes her to like a strip club where this woman like has tassels on is just like shaking them in this poor girl's face. Oh, those face. tassels go crazy. Those I tassels are tassels everywhere. Those tassels go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> they're up. They're down. They're, they're going in. They're doing the helicopter. That's, <laughs> yes. There is all sorts of things going the on. The tassel work tassels. is really unparalleled in that movie. Dude, that Not reminds me. reviews call that out. <laughs> Of, uh, so I went and saw Bad Times at the El Royale this weekend. How is it? I so want to see good. that. Dude, I loved it. I loved it so much. It's a great movie. But uh, Chris Helmsworth? Helmsman? What's his name? <laughs> Helmsies? Chris, Chris Helmet. One of the Chris's Hem- that Hems- we have. Hemsworth? Hemsworth? We, we've got like 30 Chris's right now, but he's and one of them. 30 Hemsworths, right? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Like Liam Hemsworth, too, or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Anyways. Yeah. Then one, is, one sings, I think. I Does he? Okay. Uh, I could be wrong. I don't. I am so uncool. I don't keep up with it. I just knew that like Jeff Bridges was in it, and I was all about that. I was like, here. You're like, that. I'm in. Yeah. Um, I heard that like really cool cover of that Motown song in the trailer, and was like, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. <laughs> no, it's great. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, Chris Hemsworth or whatever his name is, he is uh, like a. a, a Charles Manson figure, like he runs a cult. That's not a spoiler. Like oh. that's part oh, good. of it. All right. But he, I was like, like, "Damn you, Katie!" <laughs> no, 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 it's it's not a spoiler. Right. Like it's it's very clear. Like it's not like anything. But um, he uh, like is wearing this shirt with these tassels that hang off of it as he's like making his like very very creepy entrance. Like it's a very like iconic scene in the movie it's like it's a it's a scene that will be studied yes yeah okay he's like slowly walking or like he's like wobbly not wobbly he's like dance walking but he's got these like long tassels and he's soaked in the rain and his chest is of course like utterly sculpted it's just like a very 
memorable scene. And so when you said tassels, like that was the first thing that came to my mind. Cause I was like, oh, sexy Charles Manson tassels, dude. Yeah, yeah. So now what comes to your mind if I said lawbreakers? Oh, oh. <laughs> I, dude, I rewatched that like at least three or four times. And then I rewatched the whole movie based off of that conversation because it was so good. Did it, did it stand up? Oh, totally stands up. It's a great movie. It's it's an like it's actually really well done, and the dancing is of course amazing. Um, so, There's like speaking of Steven Soderbergh, I did not know this, but he made a series for HBO earlier this year, or late last year, called Mosaic. It was like a mini series. Oh, and so I have right now like a free trial to HBO through Amazon. So. Um, they're a sponsor of this podcast now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> be nice. <laughs> um, it would be, um, I think. I actually have no idea how that works. Um, but, yeah, I'm watching it now. And it's so funny. Like, Steven Soderbergh, I think, is frequently underappreciated mm-hmm. because he has a style that, like, very rarely is just, like, purposefully a non-style. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes it seems like he's trying to do an incredibly workmanlike sort of construction. Yeah. But it always gets to me like as the series goes on or as his movies go on it just ends up like working like what initially always just seems like a a, a sort of like unmotivated (laughs) like aspiration on the director's part on his part always ends up being like just right Mm -hmm. yeah no I I totally agree he's like um, it's low key but it works Mm -hmm. for like when I was watching Magic Mike again I was just like I just came away with the impression of like the color yellow, like a muted yellow. And I was like, that's cool that like my viewing experience was kind of just like shaded by this palette mm-hmm. in a way that like ma- like added like a melancholy to the story, which of course it needs, right? Cause he's a 30 year old stripper, right? Like, yeah, that's rad. <laughs> that's sad. Yeah, that's good. That's like, um, <laughs> um, that's like David Fincher where he has that distinct color palette but it's like bordering on parody I think at this point where you just like you watch a David Fincher movie and you know like it's gonna be just like deep shades of brown and gray <laughs> yeah you're like okay right. we're in a David Fincher movie we get it we get it <laughs> um oh speaking of colors so in San Francisco really quick so okay. I live um in the Mission, Mission, Castro, lots of bars, lots of gay bars, lots of go-go dancers. It's like a whole community here. And I was talking to a friend of mine, and he was saying, <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah. And there's this one guy, I forget his name. He's so nice. He's a go-go dancer. He goes, he does a circuit around all the major bars here. And he's a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's awesome, I guess. <laughs> that's a lot. So. I know. A, a real uh, multi-hyphenate. Yeah, I'm Triple impressed. Threat? I don't remember how many attributes I just listed. At least three or four. At least three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I stopped listening halfway through, but <laughs> I believe it. I just love, like, it feel, that feels distinctly San Francisco, where you could be a, a cocoa dancer and a kindergarten teacher. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's so good. Um, this is not related at all, but the other day I got kind of, like, the stink eye in a store because uh was it Bredman's? It was not Bredman's. Uh, <laughs> and it was not the store that kicked me out because I brought a pickle in. Um What? You didn't remember you brought this. A, a pig into a store? Pickle. A pickle. Oh wait. No. Not a pig. I don't know this. I <laughs> yes, a piglet. You, you know the pickle story though, where it's like I went to back b- back before I knew that Jimmy John's was like utterly evil. 
I really liked Jimmy John's before I like he just I before you I know, knew I've he was a garbage. Never been to a Jimmy John's. Person. Why is he garbage? He's, I've not followed his life story. He's a huge Trump supporter. He's also a big game hunter. Um, oh, Jimmy yeah. John's. Yeah, like fuck that company. Or Jimmy John, I guess. Yeah, yeah, he sucks. But before that, he used to love Jimmy John's. And um, they have these big pickles, and so I had eaten at Jimmy John's, <laughs> and I was on Franklin Street, and I was like, I had my pickle, and it was like wrapped in um, like paper, but like part the top part was exposed because I was just eating it, right? But yeah. I was done at Jimmy John's, and I was like, I'm gonna go shopping, and so I went into this like <laughs> really nice dress shop um, called like uniquities or uniquities it's a stupid ass name <laughs> you're like um, oh it's one of those like puns where you're like i understand it is a pun insofar as you've combined two words but yeah. it still says nothing right and it's yes, yeah there were, i feel like there's so many of them between chapel hill and durham and uh like it really was a recreation of the pretty woman scene except that i wasn't a hooker i was gonna say that but <laughs> i was yeah. a, a clearly a 28 year old with a pickle in her hand and yes. the girl was like ma'am ma'am <laughs> you can't have a pickle in here you can't you can't have a pickle in here and oh, i was how like how big was the pickle it was a pretty big pickle okay i mean <laughs> like it would I'm have taken time lie. to eat it yeah yeah and you know like Looking back on that scenario, I'm like, you know, I probably was in the wrong. <laughs> At the same time, like, give give a girl a break. She just wanted to eat her pickle and look for for her dresses. But as like, so not that level of um, issue happened. I hope that replaces like, I just want to go out and dance with my girlfriends tonight. Is now like, I just want to go dress shopping and eat pickles. <laughs> I give zero zero fucks right now. So I was at my favorite short, uh, short store, uh, Clothes Mentor, this week, and mm-hmm. Clothes Mentor is a used, prof- like, uh, professional working women used clothing store, so that, like, women who work bring in, like, their dresses, and it's like, you know, you got brands like Ann Taylor and Banana Pub- Republic, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so a I was in there. A lot of, like, uh, real strong uh, pantsuits. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... So I was in there, and obviously it's, like, sweater season. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to give me some sweaters. And I started I looking. sweater season. Uh, it's it's happening soon for us. Or actually, it started today. There's a it cold It got friend. really cold last night, and I wore a sweater, and I was so happy. Mm-hmm. But I know that it won't be like that yeah. normally. Oh, speaking of sweaters, why on... So I started watching Schitt's Creek. Why does David only wear sweaters? <laughs> okay, A... <laughs> That might that and Baskets are probably my two favorite shows on TV right now. I love that show so much. I've been binge watching it. Um, it is why? okay. Those characters are uniformly amazing. Mm-hmm. And Catherine O'Hara, <laughs> the way she says David's name just makes me laugh so hard every time. How does she say it? It's like David, <laughs> something like that. I can't even do it. Alexis. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay. So anyways, good. how far are you into the show? I'm so uh, sorry. I'm sorry. Season for a three last night. Yes. Yeah. Three and four are so good. So okay, but I'm at Close Mentor right, and I am just in my own shopping world. I'm in my own universe here, and I like flip through two sweaters, and then there's a sweater with a bird on it, and so I go, mm-hmm. "Fuck yeah, a bird!" <laughs> 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 and then. So I get, I grab that sweater. Obviously, I'm gonna get it. Four sweaters over. I go, oh my god, 
fuck yeah, another bird. <laughs> I grabbed that Wait, sweater. how loud are you? I'm loud. <laughs> and then finally, so great, gratefully, there's like at least a minute separation now as I'm, I'm, you know, culling through these sweaters. But then I found a third sweater with a bird on it and i just went what is this what happened what is happening here i just like lost my shit um and i didn't know i didn't realize that there were children in the store nor that it's like a quite a small store and that like i was like that seinfeld episode i was like literally making a scene over bird sweaters and (laughs) did you get them i oh yeah i got all three and um, so when I was checking out, the girl was like, somebody likes birds. And I was like, I don't like birds. I like bird sweaters, bitch. You're like, fucking hate birds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a sweater with a fucking bird on it, all right? Um, you don't know me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyways, my dude, wardrobe Dude, I feel like set. I relate to that, though. I... I, this is actually alarming behavior. Every once in a while, I real I wonder like, am I losing my mind? I don't know. But like, especially later in the day, like when I'm more tired and like, I guess my like, will to like adhere to social norms has like eroded a bit. I will find myself like, especially headphones on, like just like if I get pissed off about something, I will just vocalize it out loud. Like I can mm-hmm. be in public, I can be on the sidewalk, surrounded by other people on like a muni platform and I just don't care. Mm-hmm. And that feels weird. That feels like not healthy behavior to me. <laughs> like we have terrible cellular service in the city. Like there's so many like dead areas. Oh, that and sucks. What's really annoying is that anytime people have like house parties or something and you want to go like grab like a bottle of wine, there's a place right around the corner and the process makes so much sense. Go get a bottle of wine from there, get a car, go mm-hmm. to the apartment. Mm-hmm. There is no cell service within like four blocks of that stupid wine shop. Oh, shit. And so I was like walking up and down the sidewalk with my phone in the air trying to get like lift to open. And I'm just like practically yelling out loud. (laughs) I was like, I just want fucking cell service in this stupid city. (laughs) It's not normal. (laughs) I should keep that to myself. Yeah, No, I think it's no. I I tend to self-narrate a lot. Like way Clearly. too much, or to like talk to my dogs that like as if mm-hmm. they are humans. So. I mean, dogs are the perfect alibi for that. Mm-hmm. They like, really like are babies. They're yeah, like I mean, sorry, I was just like looking at my dog for a second, being like, "What?" <laughs> You're what like, I just got lost in, in her eyes. <laughs> yeah, she's in her shell bed right now. It's really cute. It's really cute. <laughs> uh, um, the other one is crazy. not feeling well because he ate. An entire plastic ball. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. He's fine. Okay, so He's he will be fine. <laughs> was just telling me last night, or a friend of mine actually was just telling me last night, his dog one time found like he just bought like a big like pack, like a wholesale pack of like twelve or twenty four Cliff Bars, and oh, the dog found it shit. and ate them all. And he came home and the dog looks ill and his stomach was like distended because he was eating so much. So he got on the phone with the vet, and they had to give him, like, the recipe for making, like, that stuff that makes you throw up. Kind of like mm-hmm. Ipecac, but for dogs. Yeah, it's like and hydrogen had to, peroxide, like, yeah. Yes, and he had to, like, force feed hydrogen peroxide to his dog to, like, empty his stomach. It sounded insane. Well, you heard about, like, when I first got Bargantini, what happened, right? No. So, um, 
very similar situation except so I had bought he was a puppy he was he was tiny 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 and I had bought you know special puppy food for him and I was at my parents house because we got him from Texas and Ryan was still in North Carolina and he was gonna fly down in two days and mm-hmm. so I was at my parents house and I was just like in the living room and I go back to check on him and he has eaten through the bag through the closed bag of dog food and eaten so 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 much right um and he's a puppy he's a baby and so i was like oh my god what do we do and so my mom and i start freaking out my dad is like being just unhelpful and he's being like that dog ate a lot and i'm like no shit like what do we do (laughs) my mom gets on this like really strange i don't know what website because i'm like trying to tend to him and i'm like look up what we're supposed to do you know and she was she finds this website that says that you need to try to make the dog poo and the way to do that is to rub his butthole with a warm wet cloth (laughs) uh, or a washcloth and so stop yeah no so i'm like uh, like I'm not prepared for this like do I really have to do this and my mom's like it's your dog you rub his butthole <laughs> so I spend like 20 minutes rubbing his butthole with a washcloth it's so weird uh, it's so strange that's so and like finally I call Ryan and I'm like crying and I'm like I'm rubbing our puppy's butthole and nothing is happening and he's like why are you doing that like don't do that like just make him throw up give him hydrogen peroxide um, and of course Ryan was right like Ryan is always right and so we finally did that and he was fine but to this day like Bark Anthony has like what is clearly a Freudian like anal fixation and we attribute it to <laughs> like you know like he licks his butt all the time he licks other dogs butts like he's really really into his butt um, and yeah we think that like I traumatized him <laughs> As a puppy, and it was just like the worst uh, that was situation. The, like originary act. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Right, when you talk about eating through a bag, that made me remember when I was in college. I had a professor ask me to dog sit for him for two weeks. That's a long time. And I did. I, it was a long. It was like ten days. It was a long time. Mm. Um, and I did it diligently. I did it well. I kept that apart. I picked up the house house clean. I walked the dog, fed him, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Great. We get to the last day. I'm out. I did my last walk, whatever, in the morning. Done. He calls me and goes, we're actually going to be a little late getting back. Do you mind going over one more time this afternoon? Mm-hmm. So I said, fine, no problem. I go over. This dog has chewed through the baby gate. Oh, shit. Yes. So <laughs> the last out day. through the baby gate. Yeah, the last hour. He went into their laundry room, pulled out a giant, like one of those huge bags of dog food. <laughs> He's ripped it open. Dog food is everywhere. He's eaten a ton of it. And then he took a dump, like, on their carpet in their living room. And I was just like, what did you do? (laughs) And I was like, I don't even know where to start with this. Because it was so overwhelming. And so I was like, okay, the first thing I need to do is, like, get this dog locked up in a room somewhere. And then I need to clean everything up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, because they're going to be home at that point, like, any minute. Right. And so I... The dog knows he did something wrong. He doesn't want to come near me because he knows I'm mad. So I'm trying to, like, wrangle this dog, and he's running away from me. So I was literally chasing him around their house, and I finally had to, like, dive to tackle this dog. <laughs> and so I'm, 
<laughs> like holding this dog down when all of a sudden I hear like this noise and I look up and it's their front door opening and they're Shit. all walking in oh, <laughs> as no. I'm, I've tackled their dog. They look to the left. There's just like a huge dump on their <laughs> living room carpet. They look to the right. There's dog food everywhere. And I didn't even know what to say. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, what do you say at that point? To be like, everything was fine until just now. Believe me. Believe it was, me. Yeah, Despite it was the... humiliating. Despite how this looks. Despite how I was how it so looks. embarrassed. Oh, dear. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, I live yeah, in the the dog messy world, so I'm all about it. Oh, we went to the dog park though the other day. No, you lean into mess in a way I really admire. Yeah, no, I'm all about this. Uh, we went to the dog park though, and this lady, this lady had a like belt that was like a dog caretaker belt she was the most annoying human what? i ever met it had so like a like, utility belt yeah for like dog related yeah things? like it had a tennis ball holder oh my god go fuck poop yourself bag you know holder I mean? like don't. two treat bags uh like Ugh. leash holder like it was so so I over the don't top like this person no and i haven't even met her and she was like and so there's there are two modes at a dog park there's the Oh, we're going to, like, all stand around, watch our dogs play, and, like, have, like, small talk about our dogs. Like, we'll just, mm-hmm. like, create, like, a kind of, like, you know, impromptu, like, oh, look, your dog's, like, really feisty. What's his name? You know, how old is he? That sort of thing. Uh, and then there's the leave me the fuck alone. I'm going to let my dog run around, and I'm going to sit here, and, like, I just want to be left alone, right? Uh, yeah. The latter is normally my ammo. Like, that's normally my like that's what i do right i do not want to like chit chat this lady though um partly because like my dog's an idiot and like he's like running up to like her german shepherd and being like hey like let's be best friends Mm -hmm. she decides to like strike a conversation and it's just like oh that is also a mystery to me Uh, so i have a couple friends who i'm so sorry to cut you off i'll go right back I have friends who have dogs, and if I go with them to like a dog park, people go, "Oh, our dogs are interacting." So I guess now we have to interact. We are friends, but now. it's not the same thing as like your kids becoming friends. Right? Like they're just dogs. Right. They're not going to remember each other five minutes from now. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and it just like it gets worse and worse because she's like, oh, "I can tell by his body language that he's like a <laughs> dominant dog," and I was like, "Nope, oh, he's not." Whoa. Yeah, he's not. He is not. Um, and she was like, oh, well, what, what tricks does he know? And then she what? decides to show me which tricks her dog knows. And, of course, my idiot dog, like, will just, like, run after her because she has treats. And so it's, like, this German shepherd, like, doing <laughs> flips in the air. And then my Boston Terrier, like, running after her. And then she, like, comes back and she's like, I can tell. Like, he's just, you know, he needs some work, right? Uh, I'd be happy to work with him. And I'm like, what the fuck? Are you, like, a dog trainer scoping out biz here like what's going yeah, on what's what's her game i know it was just all like and it just continued like another person came and she was like oh does that dog have like chihuahua mix in them and they're like no <laughs> like, <laughs> do not no that's that's false so um anyway this sounds like like a melissa mccarthy character or <laughs> so it really is it was so obsessive or excessive and obsessive but it was just was not cool. I was not into it, dude. I just wanted like I wanted to grade while my dog ran around yeah. in the, in a dog park. That's all I wanted to do. 
But you know what I say all the time when I don't want to be in conversations anymore? I go, well, I'll let you get back to it. Who knows what it is? It could be nothing. But it makes me sound like I'm being polite. And yeah. <laughs> My friend did a similar thing where he would go, okay, thank you. Just like, just to anything. You know? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well... <sighs> Anyways. So, I know. It's occurred to me, second probably only to dog talk, we've been talking a lot about sex workers, and so it feels like maybe that's appropriate, given that we're talking about my own private Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. We have some episodes where I have a ton to say, and then other episodes where it's clear that I did not follow the movie very well, <laughs> and I rely on you to explain it to me. Okay. <laughs> this uh, movie was like a fever dream to me. Like, I truly... It's a series of images in my mind. Well, I think that's the goal partly right because it's like these quick cuts between like very stark moments mm-hmm. or, or sequences right so it's almost like there needs to be well there are actually there are right title pages like where it's like suddenly like idaho and then you're like yeah. what the fuck where why are we in idaho now you know uh or italy i, know. I was like well i know we had like seattle portland i was like wait is this not going to be in idaho <laughs> <laughs> like when does idaho come into the, mm-hmm. the picture yeah, um, but maybe a good place to start though is that um, so this is loosely based on Henry Ford, mm-hmm. part one and two, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, what's really interesting is that the Henry plays were one of my like um, exam texts for my masters. Oh no way! And so I'd spent a lot of time reading them. <laughs> I realized watching this movie, I have no recollection of them, <laughs> and I could not piece together how. What this had to do with Shakespeare, so okay. I don't know if you feel comfortable giving us like a rundown. Okay, absolutely. So um, it's also based partly on uh, the culmination, right, uh, Henry V. Okay, so mm. uh, so the the main trajectory, right, is that um, Henry the Fourth is Henry the Fifth's father, and he has um, basically he used to be Bolingbroke, and he has taken the crown, right? He's usurped the crown, basically. Um, and he has a lot of guilt about that, but he, he now is King of England. His son, uh, whose name is Hal, right? Uh, Prince Hal, uh, later becomes Henry V. And his goal is to, what he calls, pay off the debt never promised. And that means that, like, the guilt, the residual guilt of taking the crown, right? Of the, like, upsetting the, like, order of divine kingship that his father's mm-hmm. taken on. He now has to inherit. But um, he, like, in that mode, his way of kind of reconciling it and of making him seem much better is to live a dissolute life and then have this radical transformation right before he becomes king so that everyone says, like, wow, how great that he, like, you know changed basically so rather than like being a mediocre prince who's always guilty and then becoming a mediocre king his mm-hmm. his idea is i'm gonna hang out with the low lives and i'm going to you know like learn their lingo i'm gonna actually like learn about the common people i'm gonna use them in this way i'm gonna i'm gonna engage in like these you know um just like different jests and things like that i'm gonna steal etc drink uh and then when I, you know, become basically the sun from behind the clouds, that, that vision's going to be so much more potent. Yeah. Okay, so that's... Smart. Lower the, those expectations. Right. Exactly. I mean, we could argue that I'm following a very, very similar trajectory here. <laughs> You're like, that's why we're doing this podcast. 
So uh, we're playing the long game. Yeah. The problem is, is of course that that to affect this transformation, he has to use the people that he's um, associating with, and those include, of course, Falstaff, who's an old fat knight. Uh, and the other, you know, kind of um, lower class characters like Poins and Bardolph and people like that. Um, so, anyways, the one of the harshest, harshest moments in Shakespeare's entire canon is when uh, Prince Hal finally becomes king. He's King mm-hmm. Henry, and he's at this, you know, kind of courtly procession. And Hal says, like, my boy, now, you know, now's time to reward your, your old mentor, the, the man that you've been yeah. hanging out with, your father figure. And he says, I know thee not, old man. And it's just the most, like, cruel, like, it's so devastating. It's worse than Desdemona being smothered. It's worse than Malvolio saying, I'll be revenged on all of you. It's, like, the, like, toughest Shakespearean moment because it's so cruel and it's so Machiavellian, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, and, and there's like that biblical inflection too. Yeah, to it, right? yeah, exactly. Um, I also like, I truly did not see that Keanu twist coming just because mm. I did not know the plot mm. <laughs> or remember the plot at all of those Shakespeare plays. Mm. And so I really thought like, this is the sort of movie that's going to be all about like, like dreams never realized. And so Keanu has this idea and he's counting on banking on getting this inheritance. And I was sure it was going to be the case <laughs> that the inheritance was never going to come or that he was going to be cut off in some way. Okay. But, yeah. But no. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. it's like a tough scene to watch. Yeah. So Keanu Reeves in this movie plays the Prince Hal character, uh, Bob, right? Although the line feels like mitigated to some extent too, though, right? Could you remember exactly what he says? When he's in the, the bar? I yeah. believe that that he he actually quotes Shakespeare in that moment directly. I, I believe that he does say, "I know thee not, old man," uh, or and he says something like, "Don't ever approach me again." Um, but I think he does say, "I know thee not, old man." I think I remember that from the movie. Okay, um, I, I should have written it down. I don't know why I thought he said something like he he both acknowledged him, but then acknowledged that his effect wasn't. A good one or something that like that. That could be it. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think you're right. He said something like, you corrupted my youth or something. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways, the, the other kind of piece to this, and this is less Shakespearean, is that the... Um, narcolepsy. Narcolepsy, right? So it's uh, River Phoenix, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's River Phoenix. There's so many of them. River Phoenix plays uh, Scott... No, he plays... Okay, one of them is named Scott, one is named Mike. Keanu Reeves is Scott, and River Phoenix is Mike. Okay, River River is Mike. Bob is the um, older mentor figure. Right, okay. Okay, so uh, Mike has narcolepsy. He's got a very, very troubled past. We learn more about that. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he's also, of course, a male sex worker, um, like Keanu. So... um, they run in the same circles and they uh, know each other. And then it turns out that um, Mike is in love with Scott, which is problematic because Scott, oddly enough, um, says, well, you know that there can't, that a man can't actually love another man. Right. Um, which is so messed up. a fascinating so scene. messed up. Um, yeah. So that, I mean, I think that sets the scene He says something us. like, you can pretend. Men can pretend to love other men for money, but you can't actually love another man or something like that. Right. And it's like, uh, your entire profession and, <laughs> like, everything about that was so fucked up. But, mm-hmm. 
anyways, that I think sets the scene for for like approaching this movie at least as a very very loose uh, you know adaptation of the Henriad, right? But there's a lot else going on there too, and it's yeah, yeah. And I think the, the narcolepsy thing is to me like one of it feels almost like a red herring at times. But it's I don't know what to make how to make sense of it because the movie opens like the title card is like a definition of narcolepsy, mm-hmm. and so it's made so central. It's the very very first image of the film is the word narcolepsy. And River Phoenix is constantly falling asleep, mm-hmm. but I don't. It doesn't. There's so little of a plot that it doesn't impact the plot in any way. Right. And it's tough to say, like, well, in what way is narcolepsy like thematic of the movie? Yeah. Too. You know, like, what did? How did you make sense of like that inclusion when you were watching it? So for me, I felt like it was a way to mark his dependence on Scott to some extent. So there's like that, um, that like gorgeous scene actually where like, um, it's actually like recreating the Pieta, right? Where like uh, Scott has, or sorry, Mike has fallen asleep and uh, Scott is holding him in his lap, like in a park in front of a fountain. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, so uh, like there's, and it's constantly where Mike is, like waking him up or taking care of him while he's asleep and so it felt like this like weird yeah that's great does that make sense like it felt like yeah because you think about the final scene and he falls asleep and Mike's not there Mm -hmm. or Scott's not there for him right and he's robbed right exactly so it felt like like okay this is a way to solidify their relationship to make that like mode of dependency something that um Keanu Reeves character is actually not comfortable with at moments right like there's there's this uh this sense that like ugh you know like Mike has fallen asleep again I'm gonna leave him here but I'll come back to check on him or you know something like that right um Mm -hmm. But that's how I read that for the most part. I did think, I was expecting there to be a much more serious consequence to his narcolepsy, right? Because you can imagine being a sex worker and being narcoleptic, like, narcoleptic, right? Like you would be put in a lot of dangerous situations, right? But yeah. we don't really get that until the end. Yeah, and maybe that cuts, but even then, it's like not, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thread that uh, you would imagine when you combine narcolepsy. narcolepsy. (laughs) I can't even say it, Um, yeah. (laughs) Narcolepsy (laughs) and and sex work, right? You think it's something more like around like not being able to consent to things being done to you, right? Something like that. And I suppose like robbery, personal robbery is in some ways a violation, but it's not a sexual violation. Well, but the movie very pointedly dwells on the uh, violence done to sex workers because there's that scene in the restaurant where you have the other male prostitutes describing different violent acts or different things that they were forced to do. One man was raped with a wine bottle, you know? And uh, and it's, it's a strange, like, almost like a documentary type scene because it's like, who, it's not clear who they're speaking to as these, you know, various mm-hmm. people are relating their experience. So it's not clear what the, like, impetus for this conversation even is. Um, I thought they're all talking to each other. 
Well, yeah. Well, maybe. It's like swapping stories. Yeah, maybe. But like when you see them relating it, it's just them in the booth. Like it's not, there's not a sense of community, at least with the way yeah, the shot's right. set up. It's not two people sitting at a booth telling a story mm-hmm. to each other. It's a character looking into the camera telling you about how they were raped, right? Yeah, um, but I think the thing I would push back on that, and I, I think I agree, like, that scene did stand out to me as one of the more sort of memorable ones and one of the ones that was sort of more invested in sort of, like, conveying a sort of reality around, like, sex work. Um, I don't know why I said that, like, sex work. Um, but the other thing I was going to say is that, like, when you brought up the narcolepsy and the fact that it doesn't really endanger him at any point in the movie, I think that, like, gets at one of the questions I had about tone. I think... Gus Van Sant, this is both a strength and a weakness for him, is that he's able to really um, evoke this very sort of like idiosyncratic tone. In fact, it feels, the closest analog I could think of is that it almost seems like that tone that that David Lynch is able to capture in some Mm -hmm. of his more like comedic films. Well, I did, I was going to say this film feels a little Lynchian. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's, there's like melancholy and sadness and a bit of absurdism and a bit of like, it's it's both kind of ju- parodying and earnestly embracing like a certain themes, even mm-hmm. like that use of that sort of like folksy Americana music frequently, mm-hmm. especially yeah. in the first half. Oh yeah. Um, and so you go well. There is something kind of unserious about the tone a lot of the time, particularly in that first half when he's doing a lot of like sex work. And mm-hmm. so you go well. There's nothing about this, the way this story is being told, that suggests danger at all. Mm-hmm. And so it is this sort of like uncomfortable, hard right turn when you get to that scene at the diner. Yeah. That's presenting a much more like harrowing version of what we've been watching for like the hour leading up to that. Right. No, I totally agree. Um, I'm sorry to like shift here, but speaking of no, no, go for unserious it. elements. My favorite character in this movie is a character named Hans, um, <laughs> who's a German businessman who's also gay, and mm-hmm. uh, apparently, so uh, Mike thinks he's a pervert, and Mike like doesn't want anything to do with him. Scott is more willing to use Hans, right? And so if we first meet him, he's in this neighborhood. Um, this rich neighborhood, and he's offering to give Mike a ride home, and Mike's like, no, 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 you're a pervert. But then Mike passes out um, or falls asleep, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, not an issue. Yeah. So, um, but apparently while he's asleep, uh, Hans takes uh, Scott and Mike to Portland, I believe, um, or Seattle. I get the two mixed up, but one of the cities, right? Um, so Hans is like a factor in their life. Later in the movie... They go to Idaho, as the movie is named, you know, My Own Private Idaho. Uh, Scott and Mike do. And they're at this, like, strange hotel. And Hans is there. And so they have a three-way with Hans. But before they have the three-way, Hans shows them part of his creative dancing act or something. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I thought about... So German. It really is. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I thought about that, too, compared to... Um, the other guy, I don't know if he ever had a name, who pays Mike just to, like, clean at first. Oh, right. Yeah, I don't think he has a name, but is very strange, like, um, just, like, dress up like a little 
boy made type of thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I thought like I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this scene for a while, but <laughs> I'm finding it hilarious and I'm enjoying it. And then you they finally cut to Mike and you realize he's in that like weird outfit and then of course like the guy isn't actually like just paying him to clean right. and watch him clean that they are going to right. have sex as well. Blah blah blah. But you go, okay, like what's really interesting about this is that like ostensibly when you think about sex work, you think about the the sex worker him or herself who is the one who's doing a lot of performing mm-hmm. pretending to be into it pretending to be interested pretending to be turned on all of that stuff right but here we're getting like a series of performances from like the clients themselves right where they're all doing acts and like trying to communicate something about themselves to um like the johns essentially and like yeah. that's really interesting to me um, and even like Grace Zabriskie has this sort of weird sort of silent performance when she comes into the room and she's dressed up and like well she's playing a mommy like yeah yeah and so it's funny to think about like where performance lies in these um, encounters yeah yeah it seems like the onus is on the yeah like you said the person paying for it to like make the fantasy to actualize the fantasy mm-hmm. and part of that probably is because like these sex workers are just so like like jaded or like so like tired of this performance you know like they're they're constantly being asked to do such like strange things right um to fit like each individual and they're like ah okay i've played the like you know helpless maid boy 30 times already you know what i mean so it's, Mm it's that's interesting another thing that i noticed was okay so when it does show sex, when the movie does show sex, it does these stills, right? So different. It's not like a fluid. Um, uh, you mean Kiana and yeah. the Italian woman? <laughs> well, but it also does that with the three threesome with Hans, uh, Mike, and Scott. Mm-hmm. And so it does that there. And then when Keanu finds his lady love, right, uh, it also does this, like, really extended, like, just various stills yeah, of, like... On. Keanu the, between her legs, all that sort of thing. The blowjob in the opening scene was not, which is interesting. Yeah. Think about. Yeah. Also, like that kind of surprised me. It made me feel naive. I was like, wait, he got paid to get a blowjob? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, how does that work? <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. But I wonder what um, equating those two acts in that way does. So equating the the heterosexual, heteronormative, right, scene with Keanu and the Italian woman and the threesome between three, you know, between two sex workers and a gay man, right? Um, Mm -hmm. What that, like, what is the movie suggesting about, I mean, just sex in general? Or, like, again, I'm going back to, I'm circling back to that line, you know, like, oh, you know a man can't love a man, right? Um, And Mike's like, well... I love you and I want to kiss you, right? So what is the what is the film saying about I guess desire in general, right? Like to equate those two moments so thematically, at least in my head. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. And then of course to add into the mix of that, you've got um Bob and uh Scott, right? So you've got the Falstaff figure who clearly lusts after desires Scott, the young hot you know, Keanu Reeves, right? Um, yeah, I mean, the threesome with, with Hans is so interesting because, you know, I think about, like, um, Eve Sedgwick's, like, Between Men, where she's talking about how, like, so many of our, like, Western narratives, like, film, novels, they're all actually, like, 
low-key homosexual but they're love triangles and so uh-huh. he realizes like we have so many stories where like for men to be like emotionally like cathecting one another there has to be this like woman in between triangulating them mm-hmm. um and here it's a riff on that right because of the rules as keanu sets them out is that like well you can only enjoy being with a guy if like money is changing hands right then like hans is sort of occupying that same like mediating role right mm-hmm. he's triangulating and allowing them to be like together um yeah and so there is something i think we can draw a connection between them like that and the italian scene in that like it is two instances in which like uh one character is actually like with someone excuse me sexually they want to be with mm-hmm. yeah but in the the scene between Keanu and the Italian woman, who's who wants who? Doesn't he want her? Yeah, I think. Well, that, see, that's a good question. Yeah, no, that's really debatable. Because yeah. all of this, like, I, I think, I tend to read that as he doesn't actually want want her, right? But it's that mm-hmm. she would be a perfect piece to kind of establish his narrative right she's this very thin statuesque almost um you know exotic lady right because she's italian and like then to come back like he gets his inheritance right then basically so she's part of that um creating this new something a little more like sociopathic or like and there's that conniving about well, there's that brief scene where she's crying and because she's in love with him, right? And Mike mm-hmm. is like, I know how you feel. And so it's like, well, is, is she actually a, a player in this game or is she just another sex worker in a way? Mm. You know? <laughs> Sadly. Deep. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know either. But what I do love about this movie is that then, unlike, unlike Shakespeare's play... The boisterousness of the sex workers, of this community, ultimately wins out. So that Keanu's, like, strategy of, of transformation and becoming mm-hmm. this high-class, respectable figure gets utterly trampled on during the funeral scene. Where, mm-hmm. um, of course, at the same time, the Falstaff character, Bob, has died. And there's just this raucous like so full of life like yelling and and throwing things scene um that keanu or sorry that scott is no longer part of that he can no longer access and i think the movie does that really well at least that part of it right like well for all of his conniving uh there's something that he's lost in this process there's just something so 90s about that to me though too Mm -hmm. right the way in which we there's so much like glorification and nostalgia around like grunge culture, like bordering on like homelessness. Yeah, yeah. And I just think we've left that behind. And I'm not sure like I'm, I don't have an issue with that. It's just like, <laughs> that also just feels like, I don't think we could tell the story exactly the same now and have that feel like logical. Yeah. To be like, oh, but I could also have been living in a condemned house in Portland with a bunch of other guys <laughs> doing drugs. Like, oh, the life that would have been. You know what right. I mean? Like, it's, I think it's, I don't know if, if we're just in a more pragmatic moment culturally or if our, something has just changed aesthetically such that like that, I just don't see that resonating in the same way. No, I agree. I agree. Um, or like, <laughs> if we if we did like veer off into that type of lifestyle we'd be like 
posting pictures of it on Instagram or something. Like, it would not <laughs> yes. have the same. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I maybe you make a great point, though. Like, right at the end of the day, like, it's not that we don't have another analog. Like, this is just one aesthetic expression of, like, lost boys, right? Mm-hmm. Of just, like being just get finding some way to stay young and and have fun and not have to like face the seriousness of adulthood and we have plenty of those narratives now i guess they do all look bleaker though when you think about like like the lena dunham girls version of this like her life doesn't seem like enviable you know even like um i don't know i'm trying to think of other examples or like the 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 um judd apatow sort of version of this like people look like alarmingly stunted in a way that it's hard for the audience to be like, oh, it's such a bummer. It would have been so much more fun if he stayed like immature Mm -hmm. or just kept living with his friends. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think (laughs) this, this is a tough movie. I just honestly, I'm, I'm still struggling with that. And I'm trying to like collect my thoughts basically on how, like what it's teaching us perhaps about I mean well okay so is it what is it teaching us about 90s gay culture about 90s um you know sex work workers their their lifestyles etc uh what is it teaching us about Shakespeare and then what is it teaching us about 90s independent film goers right because like it's more just like I don't think it has particularly that much to say about Shakespeare or about like 90s gay culture so much as because I think it it more just has things to say about like what were the values of like that indie film scene in Mm -hmm. the 90s like what were the things that like aesthetically seemed like cool or interesting or things that they wanted to align themselves with right right and so it's like quick cuts um (laughs) (laughs) yes strong uh title cards yeah title cards (laughs) Keanu Keanu Reeves I mean well that's a big part of it, right? It's it's just like, it's Keanu Reeves. Um, Yeah. Can I also ask too, (laughs) this is a little bit of a jump. It's, what you're talking about, uh, it just, I thought of this just a moment ago when you're talking about the, some of the gay scenes, because when he climaxes, he has like, he cuts to like this image of like a house falling. (laughs) Yeah. And I was thinking about that and about the fact that it sounds like that, whatever that instrument is that's playing. Um, I think at one point it kind of veered into something that sounded to me like somewhere over the rainbow. And so I was wondering like, Weird. is there like a Wizard of Oz valence to this or am I, was I just taking like two? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, so there's certainly, certainly a fascination with roads. So that's one connection. Oh. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like, uh, maybe, I, yeah, honestly, I didn't, I didn't, like, focus on that particular moment, so I, I don't know how to read it. Hmm. Sorry. Okay. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's a lame-ass <laughs> response. I'm so sorry. I'm just now thinking about it. Perhaps, though, it is a Wizard of Oz-esque thing. Uh, yeah, but even then, even still, wouldn't have known what to do with it. Nope, nope. It is a strange movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there are a bunch of little moments I feel like we need to talk about. Yeah. One is like that magazine rack scene. Oh, yeah. Love that magazine rack uh, scene. They come alive. Yeah. It made me think of like Amelie, actually, because I think they do that a bunch of times in that movie. <laughs> where like pictures, photos start talking. Yeah. So there's a, a porn shop, right? And there's all of these uh, gay magazines. Um 
and the various sex workers are on the covers of them. Keanu, of course, is in uh, like shirtless with a cowboy hat. Um, and anyways, then they come alive, right? They start talking to each other and, um, all the other sex workers are incredulous because, uh, Scott is like, or, or sorry, Mike is like, yeah, well, Scott has a bunch of money. Like he doesn't even need to do this, right? Like he's chosen this lifestyle, um, so deliberately, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a, but a, a like hilarious um, like, weird scene, because you're like, oh, shit, like, Keanu in a cowboy hat's just, like, talking now. Yep. Still, man, Keanu Reeves cannot sell a line to save his life, mm-hmm. but Maybe he he's tries. pretty to look at. He's pretty to look at. <laughs> it's okay. There's that one. I also, who is the ca- the character, this is, like, maybe 20 minutes later, who shows up, I think it's to the house in Portland, I think, and he's has, he's just gotten a bunch of money, so he's like he got a haircut and he's showing off all his new clothes and his new Calvins. Yes. <laughs> and is it Mike who just looks out and goes, "What a dick." <laughs> I think the situation is he's become a, a kept man. Yes. And yeah, he's like bragging about the different things that he's been bought, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> also, there's a one of the Lost Boys is just like really trigger happy, and there's like a solid minute where he has two guns and he's dancing, Oof. and everyone yes. else is like, "Put those away! Like, why yes. are you doing this?" And it's great. It's so good. Uh, speaking of Keanu Reeves, very quickly, my favorite uh, Twitter um, <laughs> account right now, besides uh, wrong answers to. <laughs> fortune is uh called <laughs> wait what is wrong answer? dude wrong, i mean i'd figured it out wrong answers to a fortune but... like puts like the most inappropriate guesses uh <laughs> like you know it has like a screenshot of the of the board right and it's like um titties on fire is like a guess you know <laughs> like obviously oh, so these aren't like contestant guesses that were no wrong. it's like somebody making them up but it's it's hilarious oh got it it's my favorite i love this is so so dorky i shouldn't even admit this but every once in a blue like just like looking at those super cuts of like bad guesses yeah. <laughs> those crack me up oh they're so good um but my favorite one right now is called keanu doing things <laughs> and it's just like random pictures of keanu reeves doing things at different moments in his life but it like has this weird like uh like it will have like four photos right and it's like keanu reeves holding action figures of himself and it's like four different moments in his life or keanu reeves driving a motorcycle through the rain and it's like he's done that four times you know (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing i don't know um Anyways, uh, that's my, I just like, I love how Keanu is just such a meme, you know, he's just like such a meme ready type of person, basically. I mean, say what you will. And I do. Um, (laughs) but like, he's found a way to like, keep this career going, you know, like every time it looks like he's sort of getting washed up, he has a big comeback, whether it's the Matrix or John Wick or the devil's advocate. Oh (laughs) God. Devil's advocate. (laughs) Let's not talk about that blowjob. Uh. Vanity. <laughs> My favorite vice. I can't do impressions. No, I wish I could. It's okay though. I can't either. No, it's all right. Um. Um. But the other thing we should comment on is like the actual trip to Idaho. Mm-hmm. So they decide to hit the road to find Mike's mother. Right. And. We talked a little about Italy. Italy is where they get sent to to hunt down his mother. They don't find her. She's already left. But that's where Scott meets. um, What's her name again? Carmela. Carmela. I think. I think. 
And that sort of like loops us back to like some of the plot and characterization from before the road trip. But Idaho is a very revealing trip because right. they meet Mike's ostensible like older brother. Mm-hmm. And um, again, his mom is not. Yes, it in a very Chinatown esque twist. What do we learn? It's also his dad. Uh, oh, gross. Yeah, yeah. His mother was. I mean, to be fair, disturbed. it's never like completely confirmed for us. No, but Mike it's... admits that he's always really known yeah. and he's just gone along with the fiction that his like father he's never met his father. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty clear. Yikes. Yikes, um, yikes, yikes. Yeah, so Mike is searching for this mother that he's imagined as like super caring and who will take care of him, you know, and kind of like rectify his um his life in certain ways, but it's clearly all just like this very inflated fantasy, right? Um, that has, it has like weird echoes throughout the movie where like Carmela was friends with Mike's mom and learned English from mm-hmm. her, but like yeah. unclear why she was, you know, at an Italian farm. And, in Italy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so. Um, it's, I'm also really tired of so many movies making it seem as though it's really easy to go live in Europe. <laughs> just like, like oh, it's just I tried doing up. that. It was very difficult. <laughs> there was a lot of paperwork involved and a lot of things I did not qualify for. So. <laughs> yeah, also, I had a lot of questions about this farm because, like, uh, Carmela's there alone. And it's, like, her uncle's farm. She leaves with Keanu Reeves, and then they just, like, leave Mike <laughs> there. So, it's like, does he own this yeah. farm now? Like, where... Who tends who, to the chickens? Yeah, like, who, like, is caring for this dog that's there? I just... Ah, so many questions. Um, <sighs> yeah, it was confusing. I, I love the, the idea that they're just, like, abandoned, but fully furnished, fully ready-to-go Italian farms just for Americans to randomly hang out at. Yep. That's the, yep, yep. That's the myth there. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> hey, so I think that about covers it for me with this incredibly difficult but provocative and I think a good way movie. I, it's not yeah. my favorite, but it is. it does at least... I mean, taking a different route than the other movies we've talked about this season, it is a very serious and deliberately art, art-y artful movie. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. and I think, like, that's why we added it on. Like, we have our mainstream, um, like, teen Shakespeare adaptations, and then we now we have our two outliers. So Mm -hmm. this is a Shakespearean adaptation that involves teens, but it's in no way, like, a teen comedy. No. Um, But it is very 90s. Yeah, yeah. feels representative still. Yeah, cool. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I agree. Not a still not a Gus Van Sant fan, but mm-hmm. I'm glad to have finally seen this movie because it is like one of the kind of most cited movies from the '90s, and so it's good to have seen. Yeah, um, good yeah. for your cultural capital, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> but it sounds like neither of us were really obsessed with this movie, though. So no. I need to ask you what you were obsessed with this this week. Okay, so I was definitely obsessed with Netflix new The Haunting of Hill House. <sighs> Damn it, that yeah. was mine. No! <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we can both be obsessed with it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, obviously, you know, it's just basically a really, really long, scary movie, right? Um, ch- yeah. Chunked it's, up into... It has n- really nothing to do with the Shirley Jackson novel. No, but not at all. But a couple all. people have the same, like, names as characters, mm-hmm. but... 
and some haunted house, but that's really about there it. There is a Theodora and there is an Eleanor, but that's right. and a Luke, but yeah, there's like nothing else really that connects. Also, it took me way too long to realize that like Nell was short for Eleanor. <laughs> yeah. And I was kind of like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, it is so good though. Like I or at least I thought it was it, it was entertaining enough to binge watch, right? Because oh you my do God, have, it's great. I mean it's it's basically a family drama, you know, with a few ghosts thrown in. Like, it's that's really it, right? Like, there's a few It's kind ghosts. of just like every episode has, like, a really creepy sequence, and the rest of it is just, like, you're meeting this extended family, and they are all carrying, or, like, uh, carrying the burden of, like, a lot of trauma they have not dealt with. Right, <laughs> right, know? exactly, exactly. So, um... Here's the thing, though. I've only watched two episodes, because oh. then I was telling a friend of mine who's a neighbor of mine, um, how good it is. And he was like, oh, we sh- I really want to watch it. Have you watched most of it? I was like, no, I just watched the first two episodes. Let's just like watch them after work a couple nights a week. That'll be fun. Mm. And then our schedules have not lined up. Dude, and so never I think I'm going to take agreement. back that offer. Yeah. I know. I was like, what have I done? <laughs> I, <have laughs> I want to watch this. I've gotten to the point where like, uh, like I was trying to coordinate with a friend to go see a movie this weekend. Oh, it's the worst. And he was like, well, I'm busy friday night but i'm free saturday and i was like i'm busy saturday and he's like oh okay well do you want to try for next week and i was like no if those two days didn't work for us yeah like, we're, uh, done. we're, we're i'm gonna go here. see this movie on my own and this I'm is sorry. why i have not yet seen the new halloween dude yeah you can't have friends with that sort of thing it's not worth yeah, it yeah i don't even do, i don't even wait for ryan like if it's a show that we're both <laughs> into i'm like i'm sorry yeah i'm if you take nothing else from this podcast well, you take babies are the worst, but then mm-hmm. kids are the worst, and then friendships are not worth mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not going to yeah. wait. I don't have time for that. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, all right. Well, that was quick obsession since yeah. we both had the same one. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. But we were talking about ghosts, and we've got to yes. dedicate this podcast to our ghost. To our favorite ghost. Our favorite ghost, ghost Billy, of Billy Zane. Zane. Yeah. Wherever your nipples are, I hope you've tasseled them up. <laughs> I hope you've got it fully, full on tasseled because you have dark nipples and it's okay. But um, just know, like, <laughs> but you can, you can, you can. We're not jazz telling you you have to cover them up. We're not. <laughs> yeah. No, but if you wanted to, if you wanted to jazz up those nipples, we'd be there for it. We'd be there for it. You're like, I've created a Pinterest board for you. Here's the URL. <laughs> different, different options for you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Later. See you next week, friend. Bye. Bye. Boop.